We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, friends. Welcome to Kirk Your Enthusiasm. I'm joined by Fred Katz of The Athletic, who is currently the New York Knicks beat reporter. But I met Fred Katz several years ago at Summer League. I'd never met him before. And he sits down next to me, and it's days after DeAndre Jordan had stood up the Mavericks. And you sat down next to me, and you offered out your hand. And at that point, you were uh, working with – you were doing some Clipper blog stuff for True Hoop. Uh, mm-hmm. And just kind of cackling at me um, that and, and that was how we met, because that was, you know, anybody who remembers the the DeAndre Jordan saga, it was like 11 hours of me staring at my computer refreshing and everybody was just, you know, it was, just, it was a great day in NBA social media history. Well, the last six to, to you know, kind of the, the last week or so is is approaching that level of sort of just absurdity. And it seems that Jalen Brunson has all but officially signed with the New York Knicks and I had asked Fred on the show yesterday and and we've had a lot change in in less than like 16 hours so Fred how are you first of all I'm great I'm honored that I just like show up in all of the lowest points of your Mavs free Uh, that's what I was saying like (laughs) I I can't talk to you like or, or wherever you go in your job next like like Say you happen to just take a job with the Miami Heat in 2025, and then Luka Doncic is going to sign there, as I've been right. joking. Um, right. But you know what? We'll have a great podcast about it. <laughs> so I, I, I have, like, the, the first question that I wanted to ask you, is, and this was since really the same question that I had yesterday. Tim Cato sort of clarified this, that the Mavericks had known about, like, that this was a deep, like, going on and becoming in it more and more likely for several weeks. Whereas me, kind of on the fan side of things, this has been three to four days of evolving stories. From your angle of things, 
if I'm understanding correctly, this has been the Knicks plan for a long time. But at what point was there real traction for the Knicks? Is, is, has it really been since before the season ended? Or is this sort of a, a recent, you know, come together between like the amount of money they're willing to pay and just, you know, the situation in general? I mean, I think it depends on how you define traction, right? Like there were reports during the season of like the Knicks really want Jalen Brunson. And, and, you know, uh, you know, you know, like the personal connections, like, I think you could argue there was traction for the Knicks in, you know, 20 some odd years ago when Rick Brunson became Leon Rose's first, first client when mm -hmm. Leon Rose was an agent at CAA and he's now running the Knicks. I mean, this has built up for many, many, many years. You know, Leon Rose has known Jalen Brunson since he was a very, very little kid. Tom Thibodeau has known Jalen Brunson since he was a very, very little kid. You know, Jalen Brunson's dad, Rick Brunson, was in the, played for Tibbs when Tibbs was an assistant in New York, was an assistant for Tibbs when Tibbs was the head coach in Chicago, was an assistant for Tibbs when Tibbs was the head coach in Minnesota. And I think there's just been levels of buildup. I think the Knicks were, on top of it all, from a basketball perspective, I think it's very clear the Knicks were dissatisfied with the point guards that they went through last season with. They, they were 25th in points per possession by the end of the year. They were last in the NBA in assists at the end of the year. And if you just watch it, I mean, I think that actually is uh, a more generous assessment than the eye test would tell you because they were just disorganized offensively. They were so slow getting into their sets offensively. Mm -hmm. Kemba Walker did not look like the version of Kemba Walker that we've come to know for so many years. And they were playing Alec Burks, who is totally a good rotation player like Alec Burks can be a good rotation player on a winning team, but he's not a point guard. He's a wing. And they were playing him there. And I think we've just seen steps. It was, they're interested and they have the connections. And then it was, Ooh, they're interested and they really need a point guard now. And then it was, they're interested and they really need a point guard now. And then it just kind of goes, you know, a month ago, they hired Rick Brunson to their assistant coaching staff. He's now been an assistant for Tibbs in every single head, head coaching stop Tibbs has been at. Uh, and, and it just kind of grows, you know, even at that playoff game, like, you know, the Knicks brass shows up sitting, sitting right next to the court in that, that Dallas Utah first round series. And a lot of the reaction publicly is, Oh, they're just there looking at Donovan Mitchell. The Knicks have wanted to be players for Donovan Mitchell, but guess who else is playing in that game? Guess who else the Knicks are trying to be players for this summer? So I think it builds a lot. And, uh, you know, people talk about the connections from the Knicks side as well. But from what I gather, it sounds like the connections from Jalen Brunson's side, you know, obviously those same connections, just going to people who he knows uh, is uh I think it absolutely has played a factor in all of this. Uh, and they make the steps. They, they, they drop Kemba Walker on draft night. Okay. They're a little bit closer. You knew that that's when they had a really good idea that they were going to be getting Jalen Brunson. You don't make those moves if, if you don't have a good idea. And then they make the moves last night and you're like, okay, they're, they're totally certain this is happening. So what in the world, I, I saw some things on the internet, not necessarily a reliable place of people. My favorite is like tweets that are like transcribing other people's podcasts. And then all of a sudden they like blow up and it's like, I saw something to the effect that, that uh, I don't even know what shows on. Cause you did like five, five hits yesterday um, where the Mavericks were apparently very pissed at that, that playoff thing. Yeah. Very frustrated. I said, why, yeah. why, what are they mad at? They weren't the only ones. That that really? annoyed a lot. 
Oh yeah, that there were there were people. I think people thought it was what's the proper wording? Unbecoming, mm. off-putting. Uh, there were people totally uninvolved in that situation who commented on it to me, just like totally uninvolved teams, not with Utah, not with the Knicks, not with Dallas, have no interest in Donovan Mitchell, have no interest in Jalen Brunson. There, there were, there were people and not, not random to the side people like, you know, people, I mean, there were, there were some people really high up in, in front offices, very well-respected people around the league who just found it, found it off-putting. Um, I'm trying you know, to figure I, I out just, what's like, like I'm a pretty competitive person. Anybody that covers sports probably was at one point in their life. I'm trying to figure out what about this would be unbecoming because it's, it's here, like, a, it, go ahead. Here's the best way I can describe it. Um, everyone in the league tampers, <laughs> right? That's where the- <laughs> we know that, but I think, okay. Did you watch, did you watch the wire? Oh, this yeah. might be a bad analogy because I don't know if the listeners have watched The Wire. There's a character in The Wire. There's a character in The Wire, Omar, and I won't blow anything for people who want to watch it. But there's a character in The Wire, Omar, who has who has killed many people. But Omar has an ethical code to the types of people he will kill. And if you kill an innocent person, Omar will be just as upset about that murder as you or I would be even though Omar has killed various people and been involved with various illegal mm-hmm. happenings. He has a code. His mm. code, it, it's what makes him a, a phenomenal, one of the greatest characters in the history of television, one of the most complex characters in the history of television. He has a code. He is a murderer who doesn't condone all types of murdering. And I think tampering is a little bit like Omar. I think a lot of people feel the way of like, yeah, everyone tampers, but there's a way to tamper and there's a way to not tamper. And you don't do it in the daylight. Mm. And 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 I think uh that plays a big part of it because there are just there are a lot of people in the league who who are who are paranoid about tampering from that from that end. And the fact that by the way, <laughs> we know all of this and we're recording this at 11:15 a.m. Eastern time. What, what what's 31 ish hours before free agency begins. And we're talking about Jalen Brunson to the mat, to the Knicks. Yep. Like, oh, all right, well, that's this happening. Would never happen if David, if David Stern was still alive, this just wouldn't be a thing. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a different NBA, but I guess yeah, well, the makes... league somewhat, the league somewhat said, you know what, who cares? Go for it. When they did a really long investigation into the Lonzo ball stuff and came away with like, just kind of a, a small slap on the wrist and teams are just going to say, well, if we get a penalty, if that's the precedent, if we get a penalty for tampering, I'd rather lock in the guy I know I'm going to get and just lose like a second round pick. They already traded six second round picks to clear room. What's a seventh, you not know? Truth. So, so, uh, so, you know, I think, I think the, the league to some degree has incentivized it, which is not necessarily a bad thing if they don't care. I just find it disingenuous if the league says that like, they care very strongly about tampering, you know, and, uh, mm. you know, we'll see. I mean, uh, t- uh, uh, an organization has to actually file tampering charges for somebody to, to actually get, uh, you know, penalized for tampering. If nobody files a- official tampering charges, then it won't matter. The Knicks won't get, get anything for tampering anyway. And, and, and as you very well know, if the Mavs don't file tampering charges, it would be very, very, very far 
from the the first deal that came out of tampering in which there was no tampering penalty for it's just kind of it's just kind of the way the league goes now yeah and reading in between the lines of your colleague and my former colleague tim cato's report it feels like the mavericks are considering it but if i was to guess it's a non-starter because there's it's like you said that the that they were doing it so out in the open is one thing but then there's like the family parties involved like how are you proving tampering between family members like what? yeah yeah people are like people are like the knicks the knicks can uh you know they have a great back channel to jalen brunson it's like mm-hmm. no they don't they have a great front channel. front <laughs> what's the nba <laughs> gonna do the- come through and say you can't talk to your dad i mean I do think we're going to like, like, I think the most surprising and, and one of his reps at CAA is Liam Rose's son. Mm-hmm. So what Liam Rose can't talk to his son. Jalen Brunson can't talk to his dad. Right. Not it's, it's a non-starter. So uh, I think the most surprising element for Mavs fans is, is Rick Brunson's inclusion in all of this because he's sort of been very LeVar ball ish with his, you know, he he gave some incredible statements to uh, Tim McMahon, and I feel that the Mavericks personally are getting worked to death on the PR side, where they're talking about how the Mavericks didn't offer Brunson a four for fifty-five million dollar extension. I can do math. I watch basketball. Jalen Brunson by by December tenth of this past season, he was playing so well. There was no way he would have accepted a four for fifty-five million dollar extension because his buddy. Dorian Finney-Smith accepted an extension like two hours after the trade deadline ended. Um, it was never offered because it was, if, if it was never offered, in my opinion, it was never offered because it would have been insulting and he would have turned it down. Um, I, 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 it's, it's, a, it's a great, Pete, like it, if, you, if you're really into this stuff, it's a wonderful he said, she said story where, there's simp- where the Mavericks are just getting bodied all over the place and there's simply no vent. Like I tend to want to crush the, the Mavericks cause I'm just a combative uh, fan and analyst. And I'm almost to the point now where it feels like from, from what I've, I've the pieces, it sounds like this was close. We didn't understand this as Mavs fans, that this was, was a real possibility instead of a, like the next, the Knicks making a real pitch. This was already something that was trending that direction even before Jalen Brunson blew up in the playoffs and had a great game. And it sort of is what it is. I'm really glad to not process this the way I processed DeAndre Jordan, um, which was like in real time and being upset, whereas everyone else's stories this week, you know, when I talked to Jake about this, Jake Fisher, uh, a Bleacher Report, he was told bad information and then had to walk it all back. And so it's like, if, if that story never came out that, oh, Brunson is telling teammates that he's, this is a done deal. I think that the narrative feeling, at least for Mavericks fans, is very different because we went from being very excited to being very sad. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so on the Knicks side of things, I get the feeling from hearing you on multiple shows that you're kind of confused about how much this actually helps the Knicks because I I, I don't, I like Jalen, but three Me too. I voted him. I voted him. I, I had a vote for six man of the year in 2020, mm-hmm. 21, And I, I put him third on my six man of the year ballot. I think he's, he's a really good player. He's really good. But is it Nate Duncan had a, had a tweet last night that 
a lot of the places he likes to operate are similar places that that Randall and RJ Barrett likes to operate. It's really fun to have like a all lefty triple option, but you're if you're still you know there's only so many angles that guys can attack from. So it's like is this sort of a, a mislabeled basketball fit? Are expectations way out of whack here? What do you think? So to me, it's not even just the the spaces that he likes to operate. It's it's actually the speed at which he likes to operate too. Because as as you and I'm sure all of your listeners know, like Jalen Brunson is it he's excellent inside the three point arc. I mean, he was like 55% on twos last year and he's so skilled. But with Jalen Brunson, it's not like there's some guys who are great inside the three point arc. Like RJ Barrett, for example, likes to operate inside the arc now. Like after the calendar turned to 2022. He took the third most shots at the rim of any player in the NBA. The only two players, shots? not a ton of them, but he's really good at getting there. I'm in foul you know because he's a big but guy. I, don't, yeah. I genuinely don't say that with Jess. I really don't mean that as a criticism. He's, he was 21 years old, and right. he, he identified, you know what? I'm, I, my jump shot is not as good as it should be, but I'm really strong, and I'm really good at absorbing contact, and I'm going to get to the line a ton. And the only two players, he made a conscious decision on New Year's Eve. He sent a text to his trainer saying, I'm over missing these jump shots. I'm just going to the rim every time. And I think the self-awareness of that in a 21-year-old is actually extremely impressive. Yep. Uh, after that text that he sent to his trainer, only LeBron James and Giannis took more shots per game at the rim. And he got to the free throw line like seven or eight times a game, which is a fantastic number for a 21 year old normally guys that age are not getting to the line so often and he was not efficient last year because the numbers at the rim were not at all where you want them to be but i think that's a that's a great first step but with rj going to the rim the way he gets there is he puts his head down and he says i am stronger than you and so i am going to push you to wherever i want to push you and he does it he's quite good at it with jalen brunson he's like Oh, look, he's more like like a like a Shea Gilgis Alexander, where it's like he's he's got a million different moves and he takes a little time to get them off and he's going to deke you like I described him on Twitter yesterday as as rinky dink like he's he's going to deke you and he's going to fool you and he's going to create space with kind of his smarts and his skill. It takes an extra split second to be able to get off all the moves that he wants. And, and guys can collapse in off of Julius Randle. They can collapse in off of R.J. Barrett. And we'll see what happens with Mitchell Robinson. He's a restri- he's an unrestricted free agent when free agency starts next year. But I think it's plausible the Knicks bring Mitchell Robinson back. And I also think it's plausible that if you go through all the advanced metrics and the tracking cameras and all that, and you find some advanced stat that says which player in the NBA spends the highest percentage of his time on offense in the paint, I think it's possible number one might be Mitchell Robinson because the Knicks use him. He, he, other than dribble handoffs, he really doesn't do anything outside of the paint. And the Knicks use him as a really, really aggressive offensive rebounder. So it's just going to be a different experience. And I'm not saying Jalen Brunson is not going to be able to do it. I think good players are able to adapt, but it's going to be different than playing with, say, Maxi Kleba. where he can play with four shooters around him or even with three shooters around him because playing with one shooter around you is a very, very different sort of thing. And we'll see. I mean, look, free agency hasn't even started yet. Knicks might have other complimentary moves, which is why I'm not 
all the way in on that point yet. Because for all we know, they make some sort of shocking trade or Mitchell Robinson doesn't come back or they get Miles Turner. And now all of a sudden, like that offense looks different. Or maybe RJ Barrett's shot develops. You know, he gets praised for having a notoriously great work ethic. So there are a lot of variables. So we'll, we'll see how it goes, but I do generally agree with that observation. I, I, I really grew to, I, I had kind of a 180 on Brunson to where I didn't understand that Rick Carlisle had essentially told him his role is to score, not to play make. Cause there were instances the past, the, the, in the previous two seasons before this, this one we just finished where Brunson like wouldn't pass to wide open Chris Stapps Porzingis, like wild stuff where it's like, he's either blind or he's doing something, you know, because he's told a certain thing and he really opened up his playmaking this year. I still don't think he's, he's a traditional point guard. He's, he's a score first guy. I'm going to be very interested to see how the Knicks use him. He's a lot of fun to watch that much. I think that the Knicks fans will get a real kick out of, his footwork and cause there's nobody really plays like him uh, in the league. In my opinion, he's, he's kind of, he said something on, I want to say it was like JJ Reddick's podcast that he was a power forward in high school. And so he, you know, he has all these ball skills of course, because of his father and how he worked, but he had to play in the post a lot and it really comes off. It's such herky jerky, weird stuff. Well, this has been, this has been what I had, uh, what I'd hoped for. I don't want to take up too much of your time because you're a, you're a busy, busy man. Um, I, I think I will see you in Las Vegas when I'm out there, Definitely. but, um, yeah, uh, you enjoy, uh, and, and try to get through free agency without, uh, losing your mind. It sounds like you at least will have a fair amount and, and, you know, I could say this is a mad specific show. So New York people aren't going to hear it. It it's sometimes it's nice to get new guys to write about new things. Because it's like after, in an 82 game season, you you kind of like Tim. I, I laugh with Tim about this all the time. It's like at a certain point, it's like, what else am I going to write? Like, there's nothing else going on. So it's like totally. It's also real- nice to have new guys to ask them new questions. You know, I I was saying this to someone the other day. Like fans, the, a common critique from fan from any fan base of any group of beat writers is they just ask the same questions after every yep. game. And you know what? Sometimes fans are right. Sometimes it's 63 games into a long, difficult season. And you, you ask a question, you're like, wait, have I asked that three yeah, days? Yeah, you give me a little talk about. Yeah. <laughs> We're not perfect. Sometimes right. they're right. And so <laughs> I, and, I think you enjoy So it's nice to have new guys. You can ask new questions and learn new things and that's fun. I, I, fun. I do think you're going to enjoy covering Brunson. The way he seems to view the game is very, he's a very cerebral player because he's had to be because of his size. And so it's a, you're, you're going to get, also grew up in a basketball family. A lot mm-hmm. of guys who grow up in basketball families are like that. Well, it just, he's, he's such a different person than his father. Cause his father is essentially a wrestling promoter at this point with some of the things that he's saying. It's, it's incredible stuff where he's, you know, they're going to have to pay up. It's it's, it's, it just, it gives me, you know, uh, well, he it, wasn't it wrong on that front. No, no. And that's generational money is what I keep telling people. You don't walk away. You don't, you don't turn down generational money after coming from an undrafted player family, like professional basketball player, not Rick Brunson ground out every bit of his existence. And it's now it's, it's paying off in a big way with the son. Well, guys, you can follow Fred Katz at the athletic. He does. What's the podcast name? You go there. I listen to it. I just can't remember what it's called. It's in my feed. I, I do the tampering podcast over on the athletic NBA show uh tuesday the tampering podcast that's right yep that's great if, man. you well, can't you can't see on video but as soon as i said tampering <laughs> just 
cracking up as if, wow, that's poetic. That's it's great. <laughs> well, and you can read Fred's Fred's work at the Athletic. If you don't subscribe to the Athletic, you should absolutely do so. It is worth the money every single year. I pay for it. Not to mention that the the simple fact that those damn pages don't have ads, which is glorious. Um, thanks, Fred. I will, you know, maybe we'll uh, talk during the season, but it's often very hard. Otherwise, I will see you in Vegas. You have a good day. All right. Thanks for having me. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical.